Well, we're in the book of Revelation chapter 20, and um, most Bible commentaries just uh, leave out chapter 20, the first seven or eight verses. I'm not in the habit of leaving stuff out of the Bible. Not going to start. And we're going to, I'm going to read the first six verses, then we're going to talk about some things that are very relevant to the coming of the future, very near the Lord's coming. Uh, before I have you stand and read it, let me just say to everyone in this room, Jesus Christ came the first time and he walked among us and he brought to us the kingdom of God. He brought to us the wonderful blessing of God's love and salvation through the blood of the Lamb. He conquered death, hell, and the grave, got up and went back to the Father. He came the first time and walked among us. Why wouldn't he return the second time and reign among us? And that's what we're talking about today. Let's stand, Revelation chapter 20, the first six verses. Actually, the first seven verses uses the phrase, a thousand years. Let's begin reading with the first verse of this. And I saw an angel come down from heaven, having the key to the bottomless pit, and a great chain was in his hand. And he laid hold on the dragon, the old serpent, that is the devil, and Satan. You know, the scripture just wants to make sure you don't misinterpret the guy that's getting put in the slammer. And bound him a thousand years. How long? A thousand years. And cast him into the bottomless pit and shut him up and set a seal upon him that he should deceive the nations no more. Tell what? The thousand years should be fulfilled. And after that, he must be loosed for a little season. And I saw thrones, and they that sat upon them, and judgment was given unto them. And I saw the souls of them that were beheaded for the witness of Jesus, and for the word of God, which had not worshipped the beast, neither his image, neither had received his mark upon their foreheads or in their hands. And they lived and reigned with Christ for what? A thousand years. But the rest of the dead lived not again until what? The thousand years were finished. This is the first resurrection. Blessed and holy is he that hath part in the first resurrection, for in such the second death had no power. But they shall be priests of God and of Christ and shall reign with him, what? A thousand years. Now, I might as well put it in verse seven. And when they had what? The thousand years were expired, Satan shall be loosed out of his prison. Now we'd ask the question, why the millennial reign? That's not my question. My question, you put the you put the devil in the bottomless pit, chained him, put him away. Why you let him out? <laughs> We're going to talk about that next Sunday. I just wanted to tell you to stay tuned. We'll look at that. I, I'm talking today about heaven on earth. Maybe seated. Heaven on earth. Someone said to, to me a few weeks back, a thousand years is a long time. A lot of the theologians tried to express that that's just a long time, a thousand years. Uh, six times it says a thousand years in verse one through seven. And I will admit a thousand years is a long time. 
But a thousand years is also a thousand years. And for us to spiritualize it and say, well, it's just a long time. I agree that a thousand years is a long time. But how long is a long time? A thousand years. And when Jesus Christ returns to planet Earth with his church, with the Old Testament saints, with the martyred saints that are killed in the Great Tribulation, when Jesus Christ returns with you and I and conquers the Antichrist, the beast, the false prophet, and he takes that old serpent, Satan, the devil, and the angel comes down. I don't think it was a special angel. It just, you know, I think there was a, probably a, a zillion angels going, me, me, I want to do it. And the Lord probably picked the scrawniest, puniest angel he could find. So they go down there and get him and wrap a chain around him and put him in the bottomless pit. <laughs> Isn't that beautiful? Some of you say, well, I don't believe that. I don't know. You're pretty puny, and the Lord gave you power to tread upon serpents. Right? And so the Lord puts him away. He separates the sheep from the goats in Matthew 25. He judges the nations. Ezekiel temple is built in the millennial temple. The continents come back together. There's one language on planet earth. Jesus is king of kings and Lord of lords. David rules over Israel as king. And Jesus, king of the world. King Jesus. This, we're talking about the millennial reign. Now, there's different viewpoints as to what the millennial reign is. Now, millennial just means thousand years. It's just a big word that says thousand years. Um, mill means um, a thousand. Millennium means years. And so, someone would ask what there's actually three interpretations of the millennium. There's, there's different, more than that, but there's three that are more prevalent today. There are those that are called the ah millennials, all millennials. Now, all millennials means no millennial, no millennial reign, not at all. They believe that there is not a millennial reign. They believe, in fact, it's all symbolic and all a symbol, a spiritual symbol, and that we are living in that long period, that Satan today is bound. Well, if he is, he's got a big chain wrapped around him that reaches my house. And there are those that, on the amillennialists, they say, well, you know, we're living in the time of the millennial, the thousand-year reign. They say concerning Isaiah and Daniel and Ezekiel and the minor prophets, those prophets just exaggerated. You know, the, the wolf will lay down by the lamb. You know, the bear and the lion and, and the bear and the uh, lamb will be there and they'll graze like the grass of the field and their young will play together. They say, well, that's just exaggeration. Trust me, anyone who believes in amillennialism does a lot of exaggeration, but it's not the prophets. 
There's those that believe that. Then there's the post-millennial. And the post-millennial believes that there will be a millennial reign, but it's going to happen before Jesus returns. That we as a church are going to make the world a utopia. Trust me, the bunch I pastor is not going to make the world a utopia. Trust me. But there are those that believe that the church will get bigger, 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 better, 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 and we will absolutely evangelize the planet until where technology will be so superior to, you know, in the day and that we'll pretty much eradicate death altogether. Only a person, if he dies at 100, it'll be a fluke accident because people will live to be 1,000 years old. And, and they teach that the, 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 the wolf will lay down by the lamb and they teach that the animals will be okay and the babies will be able to play beside the viper, the, the cockatrice den. And, the, and, you know, babies will be able to get around um, scorpions and not be stung and, and uh, you know I need boots on it's getting deep because that's not going to happen we are not going to get the planet in such a condition that the Lord says I better go down there they get it all fixed up for me <laughs> you know anybody that goes to Jesus says I want to be saved I got it all fixed up for you the Lord's going to look at you and like I don't want you to fix up yourself. I'll fix you. I'll do the work. And Jesus Christ is going to return and do the work. The premillennial view, which is the one I preach and believe and teach, and, and I believe it's correct, is that Jesus will come, and the, the, it'll be after the great tribulation, and there will be a millennial reign in which Jesus Christ will sit on his throne, rule the earth, and David will sit on the throne of Israel and rule Israel. And the earth will go into such beautiful blessings that only Jesus Christ can bring to this planet. The question I guess people would ask is why the millennial reign? Why the millennial reign? I'm going to answer that just in a few minutes, uh, some thoughts. I, I want to begin by just giving you my outline. Why the, why the millennial reign? Number one, to redeem cre creation from the curse. To redeem creation from the curse. Number two, to fulfill God's promise to his church and to his son and to King David and to the nation of Israel. To fulfill God's promise. Number three, to return to pre-flood pre -flood days. Return to pre-flood days. How it was before the flood. God wants us to return to pre-flood days. Number four, judgment upon the earth. Because God has promised a certain select group to judge and rule and reign on the earth for a thousand years. Who will sit on those judgment seats? We'll talk about that in just a little bit. But first, I want to talk about to redeem creation from the curse. I believe that the Bible teaches very clearly, especially to the prophet Isaiah, that God will redeem this planet from the curse. Now, a lot of people believe that um, the millennial reign is just kind of merged together with chapter 21 and 22. 
Let's kind of merge it together and say, well, that's just part of the new heaven and new earth. Usually people that teach that or believe that have what is called the replacement theology. They have replaced the church, uh, replaced uh, Israel with the church. They have, they have said Israel no longer has any future with God. That Israel's done. That the church now is Israel. We are the spiritual Israel. That's called replacement theology. Well, we are not the spiritual Israel. We are not Israel. Israel's several miles from here. Hello. Israel's where Jews live. Israel's where this Bible came from. Israel's where the prophets of old came from. Israel is where Jesus Christ grew up as a little child. Israel's where Jesus came into the world and shined light in the darkness and brought hope to mankind. Israel is where Jesus Christ not only grew up, but preached the message of his father. Israel's where Jesus Christ was crucified. Israel's where he was buried in a tomb, rose again from the grave. Israel is where Jesus Christ walked the shores of Galilee, healed the blind, raised the dead, miracle after miracle. Israel is where Jesus Christ did his dynamic miracle working power. Jesus Christ is, a, uh, Israel's where Jesus Christ was buried in the tomb and Israel's where Jesus Christ rose again from the grave and Israel, the nation of Israel, is where Jesus Christ launched off of the Mount of Olives back to his father to sit down at the right hand of God. And Israel's where Jesus Christ is coming back to planet earth to rule and reign for a thousand years. Woo! Amen. And when he comes, Jesus is gonna be so, he's gonna have so much power and so much peace that even the angels will bow before him and and, and, and great praise to what he's doing on planet earth. Jesus will come with so much peace that even animals will be at peace with each other. Isn't that beautiful? Even animals will be at peace with each other. That includes human beings too, by the way. Hello. During the millennial, let's look at Isaiah chapter two, verse three and four. Isaiah is a major prophet, but Isaiah spoke about the millennial reign. It says in verse 3, And many shall go and say, Come ye, and let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, and he will teach us his ways. And we will walk in his paths, for out of Zion shall go forth the law and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. He shall judge among the nations, and shall rebuke many people, and they shall beat their swords into plowshares, and their spears into pruning hooks. By the way, that has never happened. Nation shall not lift up sword against a nation, neither shall they learn war anymore. And that too has never happened. Look at Isaiah chapter 11. And by the way, if you believe that we're living in the, if you believe there's no millennium, that there won't ever be a millennium, then you've got to believe that Isaiah is exaggerating. But how I many know he's not exaggerating? Look at verse 6. 
Isaiah 11. The wolf shall dwell with the lamb, and the leopard shall lie down with the kid, and the calf and the young lion and the fatling together, and a little child shall lead them, and the cow and the bear shall feed their young ones shall lie down together. The lion shall eat straw like an ox, and the suckling child shall play on the hole of an asp or a cobra viper, and weaned child shall put his hands in the cockatrice den, as the vicious serpent's den or vicious uh, scorpion den, and they shall not hurt nor destroy in all my holy mountain, for the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. And that, my friend, has never happened. Look at Isaiah chapter 65, verse 20 through 25. And there shall be no more since the earth, there shall be no more since an infant of days, nor an old man that hath not filled his days. For the child shall die at a hundred years old, and but the sinner being a hundred years old shall be accursed. They shall build houses and inhabit them. They shall plant vineyards and eat the fruit of them. They shall not build and another inhabit. They shall not plant and another eat. For as the days a tree are the days of my people, and mine elect shall long enjoy the work of their hands. They shall not labor in vain, nor bring forth for trouble, for they are the seed of the blessed of the Lord and their offspring with them. And it shall come to pass that before they call, I will answer. And while they are yet speaking, I will hear. And the wolf and the lamb shall feed together. And the lion shall eat straw like the bullock. And the dust shall the serpent's meat be, or serpent's meat. They shall not hurt nor destroy in all my holy mountain, saith the Lord. And that, my friend, has never happened. But it's going to. The prophets aren't, aren't exaggerating. Look at Jeremiah chapter 23. I know I'm giving a lot of scripture this morning, but I, you know, the, the Lord only gave us six verses about the millennium. And... Uh, you would think it gave us a lot more verses than just six in Revelation 20, but the minor prophets and the major prophets share with us what's going to happen in that millennial reign, that thousand-year reign, because they were looking for Jesus to come and reign, and that's why they misinterpreted his first coming. They were looking for him to come and reign. He didn't come and reign. He come to die for our sins and raise again from the grave. And he came to reign in the hearts of born-again Christians. But he's coming back to rule and reign. They just missed it in their time of prophecy, their setting. Look at 23, Jeremiah, verse 4 through 6. And I will set up shepherds over them that shall feed them, and they shall fear no more, nor be dismayed. Neither shall they be lacking, saith the Lord. Behold, the days, saith the Lord, shall come that I will rise up David, a righteous branch. Who? King David. And a king shall reign and prosper and shall execute judgment and justice in the earth. 
In his days, Judah shall be saved. Israel shall dwell safely. And, and this is his name whereby we shall be called the Lord our righteousness. My friend, Jesus Christ is going to come again to set up a kingdom on the earth. The church is going to come with him to participate in that. But I want to I want to kind of tweak your brain a little bit and touch your uh, your mind a little bit. Remember, I said that the millennial reign will come because of God to fulfill His promise, His promise to King David that He would reign in Jerusalem, Israel, and His promise to His Son. God made a promise to His Son Jesus; He would rule and reign forever on the throne. And that promise was to planet Earth, not just. In heaven, that's not a, it wasn't just symbolic. It's literal. And so there's going to be a thousand years for God to fulfill his promises. Amen. Some of you have made so many promises, it would take you a thousand years to make your promises come to pass. But God's going to take a thousand years to, to fulfill all his promises to Israel. He's going to return to pre-flood days. Now you say, what do you mean by pre-flood days? Well, let me just give you a little summation here because we've, we've already went through the, the minor prophets and already went through Isaiah, some of the prophets about that. We talked about how uh, Jesus will be so strong in peace and so powerful and the glory of God will come upon the earth so glorious that even animals will get along. Death will be slowed down to where it will be so rare if someone dies, they'll die at 100 years old and it'll be because of something they did. Something they do wrong. People will live to be a thousand. Death will be slowed down to the crawl in the millennium. Jesus Christ will reign on the throne of earth and people will come to give their worship to Jesus on planet earth. During this time, the devil is functioning at the bed in the bottomless pit wanting out. But he got a 1,000-year sentence. Now, he's going to get out. Now, I'm going to ask the question, why? You got the sucker, why? And we'll explain that next Sunday morning, why. But he'll get a forever sentence in the lake of fire in the future. He'll be there forever and ever in the lake of fire. The devil. Let me explain right now. The devil doesn't rule and reign in hell. He's not the head um, governor of hell. Lucifer, the devil's not in hell, and he's not ruling as king in hell. He's not, when, when, when the devil goes to hell, he's going to suffer more than anybody else. He's not going to rule, not going to control. I know, I know what Hollywood teaches, but it's, they're wrong. And that's not the only thing they're wrong about, by the way. But when Jesus Christ returns, Zechariah says there'll be such an upheaving when Jesus Christ returns that his feet will touch in chapter 14 of Zechariah, the Lord's feet will touch on the Mount of Olives. That was promised in chapter one of Acts that the same Jesus will return in like manner as you've seen him go at the same place. And so when Jesus Christ comes, as lightning shines from the east to the west. Now, we're not talking about the rapture. We're the rapture could take, now while I, uh, take place now while I'm preaching. We're not talking about the church going up to meet Jesus 
Jesus in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. We're talking about Jesus coming back to planet Earth to rule and reign with his church, coming in chapter 19 of Revelation, riding on a white stallion, and we coming with him on white horses, coming back to planet Earth to conquer and to reign and to govern on planet Earth. And someone says, well, that's silly. You don't really believe there's literal horses. Well, you drove a literal car in here, didn't you? I don't think too many people rode a horse in here today, unless it's a Mustang. But if you and these, you and I in these finite bodies, we'd need a car to get around. I think there'll be also transportation in heaven, and we'll be in glorified bodies, and we'll have souped up horsepower to return. Not horses like today, horses that are angelic, that are incorruptible, that are dynamic, that are powerful, probably faster than the speed of light. Incredible. And we'll be coming back with Jesus. Well, I don't want to get, I've been there last Sunday, so I don't want to spend too much time there. But when Jesus comes, his feet are going to touch the Mount of Olives. And the Mount of Olives is going to say, welcome back, boss. No matter of all, you go, welcome back, boss. The rocks and the dirt will say, I know that footprint anywhere. And when Jesus Christ steps down on the Mount of Olives in his glorious state, resurrected by the power of God with his church, the Bible says that the mountain will rip apart. There'll be a great earthquake cleaving to the east and the west. There'll be a division between the north and the south. And there'll be a valley going down to the Hebron Valley, uh, 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 down to, to release the children of Israel out of Jerusalem to get away from the attacks of the Antichrist. And they'll flee uh, away because God's going to make them away. And Jesus Christ will come down and he's going to conquer and go through the, the, uh, through the valley, through Jerusalem, into the, the valley of Armageddon, Jezreel. Israel, the Hebron Valley, Jehoshaphat Valley, going to conquer and blood will flow to the horse's bridle and Jesus Christ will conquer all those that oppose him. Armies will be destroyed and we as a church are going to go, wow. Woo! Paul explained it this way in Thessalonians. He's going to come and destroy that devil with the brightness of his coming. And so we know that during the time of the uh, chapter 18 and, and 19, the time of the great hailstones, the earthquake. We know that the whole earth, there's going to be mountains move out of their place. There's going to be islands disappear. There's going to be waters covering everywhere. And during that time, I believe, is when God's going to put the continents back together. You, you ever seen a, a, a picture of the, of the earth? a global picture of the earth, and it looks like they, they could all fit together? They do. Now, there's a piece here and a piece there that's messed up, but the Lord can handle pieces. You're a piece of work, and he handled you. See, before the flood, and even during the time of the Tower of Babel, the earth was one mass of land, just one mass of land. And the continents were divided. Some say in the flood, others say, I think they were divided at the time of the Tower of Babel. In Genesis chapter 11, it says that 
uh, Nimrod built a tower. They raised it up, and God said, I'm going to go down and see what they're doing. They're, uh, you know, they're, they're going to do things. That's in Genesis chapter 11. They're going to go down there, and, and the Lord said, I'm going to see what they're doing. He's going to confound their language. And the Bible says he did confound their language, and he made them not understand each other. At that time, they had the same language. They could speak the same language. But God came down and confound their language, and I, think, I believe he divided the continents at that time. That explains why so many nationalities, so many different types of people and different customs, because the Lord just divided the continents. Let's look at Genesis chapter, it helped if I turn my Bible right side up. Maybe I'd do better. Anyway, the Tower of Babel in chapter 11, Genesis, it talks about how they were, had the one language, they were building the tower, God come down and confound their language and scattered them. Now, verse 25, this is in chapter 10. This is why I believe the continents were divided at the Tower of Babel, not in the flood. I believe at the Tower of Babel, the continents were divided as long as the people and their language was divided. And this is the reason I believe it because it gives a genealogy in chapter 10 during the time of the Tower of Babel. It says in verse 25, Genesis chapter 10, and Eber... Under Eber were born two sons. The name of one, the name of one was Peleg or Peleg. For in his days was the earth what? Divided. In his days the earth was divided. And his brother's name was Joktan. I don't know much about him with a name like that. I'd stayed hid too. Well, Peleg ain't too, it's a pretty bad name too. Let me march on. Now in the millennium, I believe that all the continents will be put back together. The oceans will still be here. The lakes and the oceans will remain during the millennium, but they'll be gone during the new heaven and new earth. But during that thousand year reign, there'll be one vast body of water all the oceans will be together. All the continents will be together. One landmass. They'll also get one language back. He said, where are you getting this? Well, maybe we ought to take a look at Zephaniah. Yeah, that's one of them minor prophets. Everybody say Zephaniah. Isn't that a good name? I don't want to be named that, but it was a good name. Zephaniah. It talks about language being brought back together. Zephaniah is a beautiful, beautiful prophecy about the languages being returned. Zephaniah 3, verse 8 and 9. Look at verse 8. Therefore, wait ye upon me, saith the Lord, until the day that I rise up to the prey. For my determination is to gather the nations. What do you say? Nations. That I may assemble the kingdoms to pour upon them mine indignation, great tribulation. Even all my fierce anger, for all the earth shall be devoured with fire of my jealousy, great tribulation. 
For then will I turn to the people a pure language, there it is, that they may all call upon the name of the Lord to serve him with one consent. God's going to not only restore the continents back together to pre-flood time, he is also going to give them back their language, one language. You say, well, what language is that? It is in English, although English is pretty prevailing today. English is pretty popular today. I think it, I, I don't know what language it actually is, but I'm going to guess Hebrew in its pure state. I don't know that that's a fact, but I, I, I just don't think that we are so eloquent in our English language that God could call it pure. And holy, Hebrew would be a better guess. And not Hebrew like they speak today, Hebrew like they spoke in the beginning at the time of God's great power in Israel. So let me point out some things. Um, I know I've already given you a lot to think about, but I'm trying to decide which way to go here. Well, let, let's look at the judgments. Remember I said that God's going to give us a millennial reign because of his promises. He promised some things. Notice in verse Four, and I saw thrones. Now these thrones are not thrones like God's throne. These thrones are judgment seats. I saw judges sitting in their seats. They sat upon them. Judgment was given to them. I guess the question would be, who are them? Who are them that's going to sit on judgment seats and judge well I can begin by saying the church the church the promise is we shall rule and reign with him look at Revelation 5.10 Revelation 5.10 this is the church and he has made us unto our God kings and priests and we shall reign where where at where are we going to reign on earth. I'm talking about a millennial reign. That's in your reign. What did Paul say in 1 Corinthians 6, 2? Apostle Paul said in 1 Corinthians 6, 2, he said, don't you know? Do you not know that the saints will judge the world? Paul said the saints of God will judge the angels and judge the world. Look at that verse. And if the world shall be judged by you, are you unworthy to judge the smallest matters? And so Paul has given us the church the instruction that you shouldn't be going to secular magistrates, unsaved judges to settle your problems. You as a church should be able to settle your problems and come to conclusions because one day you will be a judge on the earth. You'll judge the angels, judge the earth. So we know that some of them sitting on the throne would be the church. We're coming back with Jesus Christ to rule and reign on the earth for how many years? 1,000 years. Now notice there's someone else here involved. 
the Old Testament believers, Moses, David, Abraham, Joshua, Daniel, Old Testament believers will come and sit on thrones of the earth to rule and judge. Daniel chapter 7, verse 18. But the saints of the Most High shall take kingdom shall take the kingdom and possess the kingdom forever and even forever and ever. And that's why I believe that Israel is given a eternal earthly inheritance. When Jesus Christ returns with the saints, the church, you and I, there'll be angels coming too. There'll be the Old Testament saints coming too. We already have our glorified bodies because we got them at the rapture. But Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob don't have their glorified bodies yet. They attended our wedding. It's incredible. But when Jesus Christ returns, he's bringing the Old Testament saints with him, with the church, and they too are going to be involved in ruling and reigning on the earth for a thousand years. Their job will be governing probably Israel under the leadership of King David. Our job will be governing the planet under the leadership of Jesus Christ, our, our bridegroom. So you have the church, you have the Old Testament saints. Look at verse 4 of Revelation 20. It tells us another group that will come to rule and reign, to judge, sit on thrones. In the middle of verse 4, And I saw the souls of them that were beheaded for the witness of Jesus, for the word of God, which had not worshipped the beast, neither his image, neither had received his mark upon their foreheads or in their hands, and they lived and reigned with Christ for how long? Wow. Right there, you ought to breathe deep and go, wow. Not only did God promise to church, to sit on judgment seats and rule and reign. And great tribulation believers that give their life to Christ, they'll get their new bodies too when Jesus returns to planet earth. David and Abraham, all of them will get their new bodies when he comes to earth at the beginning of the millennium. We'll already have ours. But notice someone else was promised. Jesus promised the apostles. Matthew 19, verse 28. This verse is so important. Go with me to it, please, because this is so important. Someone said, well, Jesus didn't preach about a thousand-year reign. He, well, listen to me. Jesus called it the time of regeneration, a time of regeneration for the planet, for Israel. Jesus is speaking to his apostles, Matthew 19, verse 28. They'd been discussing the, 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 the apostles had been discussing leadership and rulership. And finally, Peter says, we, we followed you everywhere. What are we going to get out of this? What's our responsibility? And Jesus Christ said in verse 28, and he said unto them, Verily I say unto you that ye which have followed me, he's speaking to his apostles, in the regeneration of the Son of Man shall sit in the throne of his glory. Ye shall sit upon twelve thrones, that's judgment seats, 
judging the 12 tribes of what? Israel, earth. A thousand year reign. Folks, there is so much scripture that tells us emphatically that there will be a thousand year reign and Jesus Christ will be the king of the world. And the saints of God will rule under his leadership. The continents will be brought back together, one big landmass. Jesus Christ will do away with death almost to a snail's crawl. Technology will become so advanced because Jesus is smart. Technology will become so advanced and there'll be plenty of food, no starvation, no, I mean, they'll beat their swords into plowshares. Now, I don't think that literally means beating them in, although they have it at the United Nations. They have a, a hammer where a guy's beating the sword into the plowshare. Um, that's not going to be done by mankind. We live in a day now that they'll just take all the weapons of war and melt them down, grind them up, be no more war, and make plows out of them. There'll be more land to grow crops. Zechariah says, if they're out there growing crops, they're supposed to come and see me every year, and they're supposed to come and worship me. That's in Zechariah. And if they don't come and worship me, it's not going to rain on their field. They're not going to have no crop until they come and see me. When they come and see me, I'll take care of them, just like Joseph did in the days of Potiphar and, and, and the time of Egypt. Jesus Christ is ruling. See, when you look at the Scriptures and you think, well, the devil's put away for a thousand years, the beast and the false prophet are in the lake of fire, all the enemies have been shut down, you say, well, who are we going to judge? Who, I mean, aren't we all going to be, you know, saints? No. There'll be people living scattered throughout the earth that never died during the Great Tribulation. There'll be babies born during the Great Tribulation. There'll also be babies born during the millennium. And there'll be a massive growth during the millennium of, for lack of a better word, humanoids, human people, We'll be in our glorified bodies, but there will be people in earthly bodies, and they will be, it'll be a time much like it is today. Airplanes will fly, there'll be travel, uh, there'll, there'll be technology, there'll be a lack of death, although death won't be completely destroyed because it's the last enemy that shall be destroyed. Because Satan's put away. Why is he locked up? So Jesus Christ can receive what he was promised. To rule and reign on planet earth. For us to receive what we're promised. An earthly promise. That we can rule and reign on planet earth. And don't mix up the millennial reign with the new heaven and new earth. That's altogether something different. The thousand-year reign is just that. It's a thousand years. 
It'll be a time of incredible things. We'll all speak the same language. We'll all have the same heartbeat, desire. All have the same leader. There'll be no voting polls. There'll be no mail-in ballots. There'll be no slow counters. One, two, three. What comes after three? Oh, okay. Big Bird to help me out. Four. You know, you, you, you think about you, you. what was the lottery went up to what, a billion something, I don't remember what it was. I know I ain't got it, but anyway, a billion something, lottery, a mega, whatever it was. I don't remember what it was. And, you know, they knew who won that the next day. Well, why can't we figure out who won what the next day? Because they don't want us to know what's going on the next day. When Jesus Christ rules and reigns, he'll be taking care of all that. Amen? Hello? Said, do you believe in cheating? I don't know. I believe in sinners. I'll leave it there. Are you an election denier? No, I'm a politician denier. Now, I know Nimmer says that she had, her father was in the Senate, or was it Senate? Congress? And, and he, he's a good man. And Nimmer informed me that they're not all bad. <laughs> That's true, they're not all bad. I stand corrected. I'm so humbled. <laughs> But please hear me. When you start spiritualizing everything and say, well, you know, there's not really a millennial, then you miss the, the brass tacks of the Scripture. You miss the truth. Why can't we just read the Bible for what it says and believe it for what it says? Why, why can't we just take the Bible and say, this is what it says, this is what I believe, and, and quit getting so mystical about it? Amen? Some people try to Make everything mystical about the Bible. Oh, bless God, no one will ever know till we get there. Well, you better be a finding out before you get there. See, this book is not magical when it's closed. Nor is the paper, nor is the ink magical when it's closed. Nor is it magical when it's open if you're not eating it and devouring it and believing it. But if you're making stories about it, you're an idiot. Biblical illiteracy. Now we'll forget the story. State of Arkansas. Only in Arkansas. State of Arkansas. Tornadoes coming through town. Trailer park. There's a lady there. She hears the sirens, the tornado's coming. She can't get out of it. She can't get to the cellar. It's impossible to get there. And the newspapers on the front page in the second coming type print. You know they have a second coming type print. It means big stuff. 
The newspaper the next morning said, saved by the book. And what happened was is this lady couldn't get away and the tornado was coming and she didn't know what to do so she laid her Bible down in her living room. She stood on the Bible. Her trailer was blown away. She's still standing on the Bible. The newspaper says, saved by the book. Standing on the word. Her theology was wrong, but it worked. That's a true story. She stood on the book. She didn't, you know, she didn't have time to, she, she just believed that God would be her protector. And she stood on the book and the storm came through and literally blowed her trailer away. And she's standing there. Paramedics show up to pick up a dead woman. And they find her standing on her book. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to stand on the book. But I'm going to know what that book says. Let me know it's wonderful to know what the book says. Let me close with this because it's important that you understand this. If Jesus Christ came and he did the first time, walked among us and he did the first time. If he came to planet earth, born of a virgin, his little body laid in a manger. He grew up in favor with God and man and became the greatest, most powerful individual who never wrote a book. Others wrote him books about him, but he never wrote a book. He's filled in the scriptures about him. The volume is about him. But he never, to my knowledge, ever wrote a song. But there's more hymnals wrote about Jesus than anyone on the planet earth he never owned a house to my knowledge he never owned a piece of property he just went around doing good healing all that were sick touching lives telling people about his father in heaven never owned never owned a chariot never owned a piece of ground but yet he bought you and I with his precious blood. Never bought a piece of ground. But yet he bought his church with his own blood. Never bought a chariot. He borrowed a donkey, an ass's coat, to ride into Jerusalem. And when it came to die, he didn't even have his own tomb. He had to borrow a tomb. And they put him in a tomb a borrowed tomb. Why? Why did he borrow it? Because he's just going to use it three days, three nights. He comes up out of the grave. That tells me that the things that are valuable in life are not things you purchase at Walmart or Lowe's. Or the things that are valuable in life are not things that you purchase with your gold and silver. The things that are valuable in life is what's in that book. To know the Bible, to know God's Word, to stand on God's Word. And if Jesus Christ came to earth, 
did what he did, and he did. And he walked among us and gave us the great word of God, and he did. Died for our sins, rose again from the grave, and he did. Ascended back to the Father from the Mount of Olives, said, I'll be back. He will. And if he walked among us the first time, he'll come and reign among us the second time. For a thousand years. So why the millennium? Someone tells you, well, that thousand don't mean a thousand. It just means a long time. So yeah, it is a long time, but it means a thousand. Hello? And so when someone tells you, well, that's just figurative. You know, God's just going to merge this millennial reign into the new heaven, new earth. That's all the same stuff. Because the minor prophets just exaggerated. I mean, you don't really believe that a wolf will lay down by a lamb. You don't really believe that a lion will eat straw like an ox. Yep, I believe that. Yeah, I believe that. I believe in a world that the snake will not bite you. I believe in a world where poverty will not come. I believe in a world where the, the animals will be at peace with each other. I believe in a world where there's no war, there's no famine, there's no death, there's no sickness, there's no disease. I believe in a world where uh, politics is gone. Jesus Christ is Lord. I believe in a world that's a utopia. The waters are fresh. The land is solid. There's one language on planet Earth. There's a worship of God. I believe in a world that's going to be like that for 1,000 years. It's called the millennial reign. Trust me. The Bible hasn't made a typo between verse 1 and 7 in Revelation 20. Amen. Amen. Now, I'm okay with the Lord coming today. I'm okay with the Lord come. I'll come back in my glorified body. Amen. And, you know, there'll still be the lakes and there'll still be the water and, and, you know, they'll get out there and, you know, people, for lack of a better word, humanoids will be out there skiing out there on the lake and I'll go out there in my glorified body and say, watch me. And I'll just walk across the lake. Bless God. See, the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the Lord. And there'll be technology that's beyond comprehension because Jesus is going to bring it to us. The difference between man trying to make a utopia and God doing it is that with God, it'll work. With man, it will not. There'll always be war, there'll always be famine. There'll always be death. There'll always be destruction as long as man is running the planet. But when Jesus comes, that all stops. 
And he's going to let us enjoy the part of ruling and reigning with him for a thousand years. How long? How long? How long, church? That's a long time. Well, how long is that? A thousand years. He said, well, that might be more than a thousand years. No, a thousand years. I read God's pretty precise. Let's don't go to crunching numbers and say, you know, it doesn't mean that. Amen. Stand with me. We're going to give an invitation. I hope you enjoyed today. I hope you enjoyed God's Word. I hope you enjoyed the truth of God's Word. I love the book of Revelation. Next Sunday, we're going to talk about why did you let that disgusting buzzard out of prison? The devil. And we're going to be talking about that. We're going to talk about the judgment that's coming, the great white throne judgment. Let me, let me say this before we, Josh sings. Remember it says that the rest of the dead live not for a thousand years? Well, the rest of the dead happens to be lost people that's never given their heart to Jesus Christ. That's the rest of the dead. They've got to wait till at the millennial. And trust me, they're not going to want to come up after the millennial because they're going to face the great white throne judgment. You say, well, where are we going to be? We're going to be doing our business. We're not going to be at the great, great white throne judgment because we're saved. We're children of God. Amen? I'm not going to be judged at the great white throne judgment because I was judged at the great bloody cross of Jesus Christ. Isn't that good? Altar's open. We're going to invite you to come. Have you made peace with God? Are you ready? Are you ready? Be prepared.